Oh, hey guys. Um, aren't you supposed to be on lockdown? Wanted to help? What you up to? Ah, nothing. <laughs> just like <laughs> getting supplies. That's Cinnabar. It's just pretty toxic. Mm -hmm. No, this is um, cinnamon. Cinnamon? How's cinnamon gonna help with the security system? Dean Fogg asked if I could. Why are you acting so squirrely? Why are you acting so squirrely? I always act this way, okay? You know, whatever. I have to get this for Fogg. To Fogg. Because of the... For his toast. I don't know. Wait, careful! There are landmines! Thank you. Holy shit! Oh my god. Did I just die? <laughs> Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to Physical Kids Weekly. I'm Clara, and normally this is where Danny would say hi, but unfortunately, she just spontaneously combusted right after Todd did. So today, I'm joined by two guests, Sergio Asuna, who plays Rafe, and Elle Lipson, who murdered my best friend. And I guess the three of us will just have to soldier on and talk about episode 507, Acting Dean, without her. <laughs> Kidding, of course. It's Danny. I'm still alive. Barely. Sergio and Elle, welcome back. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Did you have fun Hello. seeing her face in real time, Elle? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, you honestly could not have written anything more perfectly calculated to trigger the shit out of Danny. Which is why I had to play the scene again, of course. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. I'm, oh. I'm still mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but now that you're both here, let's talk about this crazy season. And this episode actually marks the halfway point, which is nuts. I feel like it's gone so quickly. We've gone from deep grief in the first few episodes to drug-addled shenanigans to the heist of a moon rock and, like, three apocalypses? Is that right? Like harmonic convergence, moon explosion, and now whatever is going on in Fillory. And I guess a fourth if you count Todd getting blown up, which I'm pretty sure is apocalyptic for Danny, at least. <laughs> it's true. Definitely on the same level as the moon breaking and the world exploding. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so, so talk to us about that whole thing, all of these like apocalypses. What is it like as a writer when the universe you're operating in gets dialed up to 11? <laughs> um, it's honestly a blast because, you know, it's, it's fun to see these characters who, you know, they, they're put in these extremely serious situations, but they also don't take things too seriously because if you took everything as seriously as they are with these kinds of stakes, you'd probably just like be in a ball in a corner crying, you know? <laughs> and like, so it's like, they have to kind of deflect and lap their way through some pretty insane shit, um, to be able to you know, figure out, okay, how do we not panic and actually try to solve this thing? So it's been, it's been a blast. Like, you know, I mean, last episode, um, with all of the, uh, things that they tried to stop the moon from breaking, that was just a delightful montage. We had so much fun talking about, um, in the writer's room and just like seeing the increasingly sticky situations that they get into, that they have increasingly crazy ideas to get themselves out of it is a blast. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of crazy things, and because we're not in the episode part of the show yet, and also because obviously I know you watch it, Sergio, I have to ask, who do you think Turtle is on Mass Singer? <laughs> I don't know. I think that, um, who were we saying yesterday? It's not Chris Daughtry, because Chris Daughtry has been there yeah. on the show, right? Wasn't before. he the winner last so, season? Yeah, I think so. Um, or was it uh, Wayne Brady, the winner last season? Either or. I, I think it's a rocker, but also a little bit older. Maybe not, <laughs> not a, Danny's shaking her head. Um, uh, maybe a little bit older, but everybody keeps saying, like, all the judges keep saying that it's a boy band. I don't see boy band. I don't see boy band. <laughs> Danny's nodding now. I think we got to let Danny answer this. <laughs> Please. Okay, okay. So I don't actually watch the show, but I was told that a certain person was on it and I was like, okay, I gotta listen to this. And it's Jesse McCartney. I know this. his style and his voice anywhere and like it has to be him. It has to be. You seem very invested in this. I appreciate your opinion. <laughs> However, um I think he's taller. <laughs> don't you think he's taller? And then Jesse McCartney, he's actually yeah. pretty short. I saw him live oh, like last year. 
well, you win. Um, <laughs> but um, also, I think he's he has a dad bod a little bit because you know that shell is not really a hard shell; it's just like a soft shell. He's a wearing. soft shell turtle. Mac- <laughs> yes, and I think that um, Jesse McCartney's a little bit. Uh, isn't he fit? He's pretty fit, but I don't. It's purposely like big to like get you. Apparently, it was originally made for Nick Carter. Oh, well, that makes sense. So yeah, did they like switch it. out? No, he just like couldn't do it, so they had someone else be the turtle. Hmm. Oh, but I did think that that they they're stepping it up in the and the quality of people that are on this season. So oh, I yeah. like. It. <laughs> I had no context for what you were talking about, and I the, what turtle? <laughs> <laughs> um, the Mass Singer L is a show where uh, famous people, not all of them singers dress up in ridiculous costumes and sing, and you have to guess who they are. And for some reason, Jenny McCarthy is always right. And that's basically... Oh, and Ken Jeong is always wrong, but I feel like that one is not a surprise. (laughs) He probably does it on purpose. Oh, yeah, for sure. The worst part is whenever they say Corsair sing out. I think it was like the the first season. "Mm, I think this is Lady Gaga underneath that. It's like, really? You think Lady Gaga is going to... Come from I don't know Sweden and her world world tour and you know sing for you four judges. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> no shade. Uh, can I can I make a comment not on the mass singer but uh, what Elle was saying before? Yeah, um, of course. <laughs> that I feel like in especially the seasons more like the writers have um, you guys have sort of. All bets are off. Mm-hmm. Like there's no really rules anymore. Not that there were any rules before, but this time it's like okay, the characters are just going whatever the fuck they they have to they're presented with. They just have to keep going. And um, but yeah, the stakes are so high with yeah no rules, which is yeah pretty fucking exciting. That whole, like, attitude of you kind of just have to keep going, I feel like even ties into the whole, like, grief arc of the season where it's like yeah. you come through the thing that you don't think that you're going to be able to make it through and you don't think you're going to be able to survive without this person that you can't see your life without. But then you just have to find a way to get through it and keep going. And, like, every end of the world or, like, completely life-altering crisis that they face, it's like, okay, well, how do we get through this? Like, that's just kind of the way they have to tackle it. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. All right. So before we get into the episode, we have a couple more questions. They're not magicians-based topics. (laughs) Um, So, Elle, I can't believe we haven't asked you this before, but since we know that you've gotten into astrology recently, (laughs) tell us us about your chart. What are your sun, moon, rising signs, and what parts of the chart ring true for you? Oh, man. Uh, I'm a Cancer Sun, Cancer Moon, Cancer Venus. <laughs> and a, All the feelings. Uh, a, yep, lots of feelings. <laughs> and a Leo rising. Um, <laughs> so it's a it's a, a mix in a way, but it's very, yeah, very water sign. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it rings pretty true, but I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that the, the Leo rising and the way that I interact with people makes sense. Hmm. Interesting. I'm not just like a mess of feelings. I keep it in a little. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All of mine are just like completely different elements. So. Oh yeah. I'm just like a mess of a person, which you're, just rings true. You're, you're a Capricorn <laughs> sun. Is your moon is your moon Pisces like mine, or is your moon? No, my moon is Sagittarius, and then my rising is Aquarius. Okay, that's where we which have they're the same all one. three different elements. <laughs> <laughs> what was what was your sun? You said oh Capricorn. Oh, okay, cool. For both Earth nice. signs. I have no idea what my moons or my suns are, but I remember you posted something about a uh, the CoStar app. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> um, and I downloaded it, and I signed up, and everything. The notifications that it gives you. Did you approve my friend you, request, Sergio? <laughs> did you? Did you send me one? I did. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> you, know, you know why? Because that's what that I was about to say. The notifications, I got really pissed off. The notifications were pretty ominous or they were, uh, <laughs> I, like, for example, one day it was, 
I don't know, don't be such a little bitch or whatever. <laughs> Today mine told like, what? me to take vitamin D, so <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> and then the next day, they say they the notification was like, "Don't take things too personal." And I'm like, "Well, you just told me I was a little bitch." Like, no. So maybe <laughs> I got the notification uh, of your um, request, and I was like, "No, fuck it." <laughs> it's it's very sassy. Very much so. <laughs> well, you'll have to go back on and know your rising and moon sign since it should say it on there. Okay. Yeah, it gives you your whole chart. It's too much. All right. Yeah. Well, that was our other question was just to add, we were going to ask you the same, um, but you basically answered it. So, <laughs> okay, we should probably get into the episode now. Clara, do you want to kick us off? Oakley Dokley. Here's what happened um, Todd recruited Julia to take over his quest and save Fillory with song. But when they return to Breakville to get his notes, they discover a problem. The moon's pissed and she's fucking with the circumstances. With Lipson, not that Lipson, comatose, and fog in the etheric realm, Penny's made acting Dean, aka the person who has to listen to all these idiot students complain. Shout out to Wharton and his pencil case. Um, until suddenly, <laughs> fog is back. But something's up with Fogg and his sidekick, Todd, or should I say Elliot, something that's revealed when Todd explodes and another Todd sneaks up behind Julia and Penny to take his place. While all this is happening, Alice meets a botanist who helps her uncover the key to doing magic amid wily, ever-changing circumstances. And in Fillory, Margot finds Fen holed up with the fairies who are angry at being abandoned. She and Elliot save them, expose an evil Pickwick, and learn the Dark King isn't what he appears to be. Oh, and Charlton helps. So... Danny, what do you think of this episode? Well, for one, if Todd had really died, like all of the writers would be dead to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's he's not though, so I'm fine. Um, Just I thought it was like, the the reveal of him still being alive in the same scene because before we had initially talked about it as like the act out was he blows up, cut to commercial, and then we come back and he's alive, <laughs> but. That might have actually killed you, so well, <laughs> we don't have commercials. So. Yes, that's true. The screeners, it's really just bad. like black in the back. And honestly, she was probably yeah. still yeah. screaming when uh, when Artad said that he was alive. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the only things that I like didn't actually scream at. I think I was more like in shock. I was just like, <laughs> sitting there. Um, How dare but you? <laughs> other than that, the episode was really great and I think there's just like there was a lot of setup for like what feels like the rest of the season there's mm. quite a few reveals and I think it's a really great episode to follow up like the 505 506 arc yeah I agree with you completely on that because I feel like <laughs> I feel like if we had it was nice to get like still crazy but like a little bit coming down because I think if we'd kept ramping up at this point we would all <laughs> I don't I, like our brains would just they'd turn to mush what would we do with ourselves um mm -hmm. so yeah I thought it was a good follow-up on the craziness I also really enjoyed this episode aside from the Todd explosion which sorry <laughs> I actually really did enjoy Danny but mostly because I knew how you were gonna react to it <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, uh, so it's still a little crazy, but we are also seeing some real character development, which I really like. So Julia and Penny are finally over, which you and I have been talking about, like, that was coming for a while, and so it's kind of nice to have it out of the way. Um, Penny's continuing to get more responsible as a teacher and now as a dean. I love that Alice gets to spar with somebody in the episode, and it kind of looks like the beginning of a love interest, maybe? And, of course, we got to see a lot of Todd, even if part of it was him exploding. Um, and I just, I, I don't know, I really enjoy getting to see people from the other timelines. I feel like we are really hitting every sci-fi and fantasy trope this season, and I'm just, I'm loving it. But, of course, Elle, gotta ask, why'd you do Todd so dirty? Were you trying to kill Danny? <laughs> um... Honestly, it was <laughs> the idea of getting to do that was was such a blast. I mean, <laughs> like, no pun intended. Um, it was like, you know, he's he's such a, a, a favorite, and we never really actually intended to have him be dead forever. <laughs> that was never the plan. <laughs> um, and we we love getting to use him, but um, that was such a fun way for us to be able to reveal all the weirdness going on with Dean Fogg mm -hmm. to have him have 
have an accomplice and and especially with somebody who's so inept at keeping the secret that Bob is clearly <laughs> trying to keep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, where he's just stumbling over his words left and right and he's like slipping up and making mistakes and acting squirrely Which in a professor's way that the is very obvious. <laughs> Um, he was definitely like the most fun person to put into that situation. And, uh, yeah, it was a great time. The day that we, the day that we blew him up on set, I wore my Todd shirt (laughs) (laughs) and then I made Adam take a picture with me. (laughs) Well, I can't wait to see that. (laughs) I do feel like it, it, it was very clear to me from the writing in this episode, other than the blowing him up that you enjoy writing Todd. Yeah, he's so much fun. Our our whole room has a great time with him. <laughs> Getting giving him his little his little song moment was a good time too. Yeah, and and like I think Sarah said that he ad libbed it. The song he came up the with song? it. No, we we wrote that. Oh, um, yeah. It there's actually more verses of that than yes. are actually in the show, and we recorded him doing the whole thing. Um, and I don't know if it's going to, I hope that we will be able to make that clip available on the internet because it's really fun. There's (laughs) two more verses, I think, in the credits, right? Yes. Yes. More of it over the credits. But there's even more. more than that. (laughs) Like I, we started working on the script and then, um, they were kind of like, why don't you go off and write some more verses just so we have them? And I was like, okay. And I went a little nuts. So (laughs) there's more. <laughs> How long did it take you to write those verses, like the extra ones? Um, yeah, I don't know. It was like I tinkered with it a little bit, but it didn't didn't take super long. Um, I kind of like ran them by the room and was like, "What do you guys think of this?" And they were like, "Oh my god, we love this. We love that. Oh, what if we did this and like punched it up together?" But it was like such a blast. Um, and then we gave the the verses to. Um, our composer, Will Bates, who just like mocked up a tune for it. And then we gave that tune to Adam and we're like, here, sing this. (laughs) (laughs) That tune is familiar, but I couldn't figure out what, like what it's based on. We wanted it to just have a feel that sounded like a, like very like Yankee Doodle-ish, you know, it was like, it just sounded like the kind of like a common folk song, like something that would be like, like something that would come from a thing that the the pig man would sing in Fillory. Like it, it should sound like a Florian folky prophecy kind of tune thing, and not like a pop song. You know, my husband yeah. thought it was the Oscar Mayer Wiener song, or not? No, sorry, the um, what is it? The Baloney song. You know, my Baloney oh has a first name. It is an Oscar Mayer song, but it's not the Wiener song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah. right. Well, moving on, the first scene <laughs> the first scene that we get in Fillory is actually your scene, Sergio, and I love how seriously you play Rafe. We asked you before about your backstory for him, but I'm curious how he's handling the stress of being kidnapped 300 years into the future by the children on Earth, especially since they left Abigail behind. Is that is that what he did? Did he leave him behind, or was he, or was she like banished? Um, he's not handling, handling it very well. Um, as you guys can see, um, he (laughs) cries at night a lot. Um, and yes, she was left behind for the greater purpose in my mind. And, um, yeah, no, I don't think that, that the, the, I remember while shooting the scene, um, uh, Sterling, our, our director, he kept saying, coming back and kept saying, like, make it a little bit more angry, a little bit more angry. Like, you hate this wallaby, um, <laughs> which was hard to do because so cute. But, yeah. We intentionally were like, what's the cutest weird animal that we could get in Vancouver that we can make sure is adorable so that it's hilarious that Rave absolutely hates her? <laughs> <laughs> Your pouchfulness. Yes. Um, um, But yeah, no, I think that uh, dealing with leaving Abigail and, you know, his love behind is difficult. However, you know, he's very loyal to the royals and Fillory and serving them. So in my mind, I think that, you know, this is the only way that he could perform. Just keep going, like we were saying at the beginning, or I was in the beginning, and... and, um, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't hate uh, Gertrude. 
the walrus. <laughs> yeah, which I is do such kinda, a great name. Such like, a great name. What what do you have against marsupials? I mean, like quokkas are just about the cutest little creatures on the planet, and they have pouches. You can't trust an animal with a pouch. You don't know what they have in there. They usually have another <laughs> animal in there. Usually, uh, but do they? Do they let like, you see in the pouch? No. Florian ones might be a little shadier. Exactly. That's also true. They're up to yeah. Yeah. Just a shave in the pouch. <laughs> that would be a good like sometimes some uh talking animal just like hops up to Brittany and is like here here's a knife go stab a knife yeah <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting to me that we've gone a whole episode now with this florian doomsday proclamation hanging over us and we still don't know what it actually is do you think the dark king plot is connected to that clara you know, it doesn't feel connected to me at this point. Um, I was pretty sure that the Dark King was controlling the Taker, so that part isn't a surprise. But I don't see what it has to do with the destruction of Fillory. Not yet, anyway. And with so many, like, fake-out apocalypses this season, it wouldn't surprise me if there's a lot more to Sir Effingham's prediction. But I guess he is also a talking animal, and we did just learn that the Dark King banished them. What do you think's going on? I don't think that they're actually connected. I think it's just like the Scooby gang reacting early because they think that the Dark King is evil. And I feel like even Elliot kind of doubts it. So I feel like there's definitely more to the story there. Sidebar, I'm really glad you resuscitated the term Scooby gang. I completely had forgotten about it. And it's such a great term. Because <laughs> they're not all from break bills, so we can't just call them the break bills, right? Like... Or, like, physical kids. A lot of people know all physical kids. I've noticed, and I'm like, they're not all physical kids, though. Penny psychic, or whatever. <laughs> Josh naturalist. Oh, yep. yeah. Katie uh, is... Well, Katie's probably physical, because she punches things. I can't remember what her... Yeah. <laughs> Katie was a physical kid, but she got kicked out. Mm. Ellie, I know you can't tell us much, but is there anything you can reveal about the Takers? Uh, I think Danny was speculating that they were fairy zombies at one point. I can't really say much about them. Um, Do they just take and take and take? Yeah, I mean, yeah, basically. (laughs) 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 Cannot reveal. Um, But yeah, there's definitely definitely more to them than meets the eye. I will say that much. Yeah. Why does he need gold to resurrect them? Are we going to find that out too? Um, we will find out many, many more things about, <laughs> <She's> <laughs> about a the one. nature of, of his connection with them and, and why he's doing what he's doing. Why are you acting so squirrely, Elle? Yeah. <laughs> You're squirrely. <laughs> That's true. I always love calling people that. Um, <laughs> speaking of fairies, Danny was pointing out just how awful the Pickwicks were. She's pointing that out in her notes. Um, cause they're like hunting fairies for sport. And then I was thinking about like, was it last time or the time before at some point recently we were talking about how the return of the fairies plus your theory, Danny, about the dark King being Rupert were making us think about the McAllisters. Do you think the Pickwicks and McAllisters could be in some kind of alliance? You know, like, I think that's very possible. Um, I do think that Tick has gone over to the hero side. I think he's pretty loyal to them at this point, but the other Pickwicks being in on it, like, really wouldn't surprise me, especially with the hunting of the fairies. Irene is definitely still out there somewhere, so she could be employing them to do that. Sergio, Rafe knows Tick pretty well. What do you think? Do you think he's gone over to the light side, or uh, does he also have it in him to help the McAllisters hunt fairies? I think that Rafe's relationship with Tick is very, very complicated, as is Sergio's relationship with Riz. Uh, <laughs> I do not want to get into that one. Um, you know, we've seen it before that Tick can be a little shady and can get a little bit drunk with power at times. So, I don't know. I don't know. I, I wouldn't put it... I can, I can call Riz right now. Do you want to Do you want to make this up? <laughs> <laughs> a conference call <laughs> I miss him on the show he's not on it as much anymore I think it's because he's in that other show right? Perfect Harmony so, yeah I'm assuming that's why busy bee. <laughs> yeah. he is busy <laughs> which is great because he's so talented it's surprising <laughs> yes. 
here. Yeah. yeah. So should we talk about the whole psycho fog thing? Like, how do you think he and the other Todd got in? So I think it was that emergency button that that like Penny found and Julia pressed, and then like nothing happened because the next day they were there. I don't really know why our fog would have a button that like randomly teleports psycho fog and. Uh, I'm just going to call him Psycho Todd because I don't really have another name for him. It's just Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I can't call him Elliot because we already have anyway. This is why he got called Todd in the first place. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, I also think one of the other things that makes me... I So I have full confidence that Julia will, in fact, save Fillory. Might kind of be by accident or like Todd will do it, but it'll still sort of be Julia who set it up. I feel like that would be kind of perfect. Um, but she's also been kind of messing up the whole quest thing. So she's she's doing a lot of, like, world saving. But she's so sure she's right. And at every single step, she has been completely wrong. Um, so I kind of, like, I liked that moment because it was, like, another moment of Julia Hubris where she's just like, what's this thing? Doot! <laughs> Can't fuck I, too much up. <laughs> I don't know if it's necessarily that, like it summoned Psycho Fog specifically. Like, I feel like it was mostly because our, uh, like, our fog mm. is not in a place to where he can respond. So it was just kind of like, maybe it just, like, went to another timeline because ours cannot respond. But with Julia, like, I think she feels like she has to be right. Her relationship is imploding or has imploded and she feels like she owes it to Quentin. Penny calls her out on that, and he was a dick about it, he but was. I feel like it's true. It I do is. also feel like she misses having her goddess powers, so she just kind of wants to be right about something. I really like what you said about how, like, he was a dick about it, but it's true. Because I also, <laughs> having done, like, this podcast for four years now, when I the comments that always get to me are the ones about my voice or about us laughing. Because I'm like, yeah, I do laugh a lot. But it's like, there's they're a little bit true, but they're also dick comments. So I feel like that's very real. <laughs> <laughs> the show's too funny not to laugh. <laughs> it's true also we have too much fun fuck y'all uh, <laughs> what did you think of uh, of Hamish Danny Hamish Bax well I was so happy because I was like yay another book character I love that it seems like he is being set up to be Alice's love interest like he said before and I just love the fact that he was Quentin's only yes. friend when he was <laughs> yeah I think that's such a perfect symmetry that like he was Quentin's only friend, and, like, he, now Quentin won't have met him, but Alice is meeting him and making that connection. Um, it, yeah. It feels like a really nice symmetry. Uh, I also, speaking of book connections, really loved Wharton. Um, <laughs> that whole thing in the beginning of the magician's... or it's, I guess it's not the beginning of the magician's land. It's, like, sort of happens before where the magician lands start, but we sort of learn about it later. It's it's such a fun it's such a fun thing. And of course, because we saw Wharton talking about his pencil case getting stolen, of course that made me think about Plum, who we haven't seen for like three episodes since she revealed herself. I know. So yeah, uh we gonna see we're gonna see some more of her this season L? Or are you gonna make her explode too? Just, like, fully kill Danny. <laughs> Plum. <laughs> um, we have not seen the last of her. I won't say more than that. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, what else do you want to talk about? What else do you want to get into? Or do you guys want to, like, bring shit up? I think that bringing in, um, bringing in the character of Bax we thought was going to be a fun idea because... Um, He's, he's a little different than he is in the books. Like, in the books, mm -hmm. he's kind of this, like, uptight, nerdy dude who, like, is kind of a, a little, kind of a little bit of a, a sad sack, but he's, like, Quentin's only friend and <laughs> drinking buddy. And um, and in the, and he's very, very quirky and has a lot of affect to him. And um, we kind of leaned into making him a little bit different where he's, 
Like he's super, super committed to his botany, but at the same time, he's like very, very confident about it. And like, it's like kind of gives him a little bit of like a, a swagger that then, uh, gets an interesting rise out of Alice because it like, Oh my God. Challenges the wrong way, but has like a, an interesting dynamic, um, with her. And so it was a lot of fun to get to yeah. write those scenes and, and see them play it. Um, I- so well. That first moment between the two of them where uh, he, like, asks her if she's related to Stephanie and then he starts talking about how much he liked her orchid. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I feel like I really like the fact that, like, you can tell that they both think that they're the hardest person in the room. They probably both are most (laughs) of the time. Yeah. Yeah. That reminds me of one of the things that I liked in the last episode that I don't think we mentioned, which was uh, the scene where Elliot is asking Alice what she knows about whales, and she names these, like, two totally useless facts. And he's like, what the hell, Alice? She's like, you asked me what I know. (laughs) I know. I thought she would know more just having, you know, been a niffin for a while. That's true. But I also feel like like that was the great... Thing, the great like thing about that moment was that <laughs> she didn't right like everyone is expecting her to know yeah. more mm-hmm. anyway <laughs> we sort of glossed over the fairy plot so should we should we talk about that yeah yeah um I really loved seeing Fen be in her element in this episode especially because we haven't seen her a ton so far um and it was really nice to see Margot watching her and learning from her mm-hmm like, I don't know, a couple episodes ago when you and I were talking, Danny, I was saying that it really bugged me that Elliot still treats Fen like a child, all innocent and naive, when, like, clearly she has grown so much. She has been to New York. Uh, so, <laughs> like, it just, it feels a little disrespectful. But in the scenes that Margot and Fen had together, Margot very clearly was respecting all that growth, and she was deferential to her at points because she could tell that like Fen had bonded with the fairies and gained their trust in a way that Margot couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of reminded me a little bit of the scenes last season. Was it last season? No, the season before. God, can't, <laughs> can't keep track anymore where like Josh was trying to help her um, with some negotiations, was trying to help Margot right. with some negotiations, except for... <laughs> she was much more receptive to hearing it from Fen. Um, and I also, speaking of Josh, like I, I really like that the whole Josh thing isn't coming between them. Cause I know that was something you were worried about, Danny. Yeah. I mean, it also kind of upsets me that Elliot still treats her that way. Margo and Fen's relationship has grown so much and there's a lot of mutual respect. And I'm so glad it doesn't appear that having slept with Josh is a problem I really do think, though, that Margot's just more upset with herself for leaving them in the past. Hmm. If I can just say, I, I mean, that scene when they were all in uh, the cages, that was just hmm. so good. And everybody's sort of, I mean, they did such a great job, uh, but at the everybody's feelings were valid and everybody's um, yeah. uh, reasons for doing what they did were valid. Um hmm. But the hurt and and that they were going through, those characters uh, spoke to, you know, the consequences that they need to face for the decisions that they made. Um, but I, I agree. I just thought that I'm glad that it didn't. Just because they slept with the same guy doesn't mean that you know it needs to change anything. Just like real life. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, we definitely wanted to explore in the dynamic between them in this episode, like seeing that shift where it's like Margot's in a situation where mm-hmm. suddenly Fen's the one who has the respect of these people. And like Margot can't just strong arm her way through it. And she has to defer to the fact that Fen has built relationships here and that she has respect because of something that she did, which was help save the fairies on earth. And like, she has the respect of them because of her histories with them. And, um, it's, you know, it's it's giving her that moment to acknowledge, like, oh, yeah, Ben has done this stuff and has earned the right to be the one able to dictate. And also, Margot being having the humility enough to be like, okay, I'm not the one that can get us through this situation. I need to just, like, do whatever I need to do, to, even if I have yeah. to be deferential and 
really, really hard for me to do that. I have to, you know, take my, like, take my ego down a peg and, and give them what, what they need to hear from me in order to make the situation work. Um, so that was a lot of fun to see her trying to be humble. (laughs) And I think that really goes back to that conversation that she and Elliot had at the end of 506, right? Because she, she really has grown in ways that, um, we're hard, they're sort of hard to see when it's the two of them together because their relationship is still their relationship is still their relationship um Elliot and Margot's but you see her in those situations where she's ruling and it really becomes abundantly clear that uh, just how much she has evolved really mhm definitely i was going to say something about fen and the fairies and how it also speaks to the loyalty that she has with um, her people and with Fillory and the um, Mm -hmm. amount of, you know, even though she is loyal to um, um, Fillory, it's not like she's going to betray Margot or or, uh, Elliot. She's still loyal to to them as well. So I think proving herself to to earn their trust and to earn the to work towards you know um uh, um the status that she much deserves um uh, it's it was really nice to see in this one. Out of curiosity, um I mean, we were talking earlier about how Rafe is loyal to the to the royals, but I've always sort of wondered Right, he's gotten to see Fen be High King, too. If he had the opportunity to choose, do you think he would go with Margot? Do you think he would go with Fen? I think he would go with Margot because I think the the, the turning point was when Margot um, made uh, animals and humans, mm. giving them the, the ability to Fair. marry. Yeah love whoever they want to love and marry whoever they want to marry. And um, I think that might have uh, changed his mind. Um, and I, I don't know. I I don't know if I do this um, um, on purpose or not, or, or, but every time, or sometimes when I see Brittany, I just tell her, you're my acting hiking. Uh, <laughs> she's not a full <laughs> hiking for rape. I do consider that Margot, um, would be number one for for him, more so than Elliot um, or anybody yeah. else. Yeah, yeah, I think it's Margot that he respects the most for sure. Um, I did realize though that the fairy called uh, her High King Fen. Oh, mm. I didn't catch that. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. Interesting playing with the the power dynamics a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I mean. It is really interesting that they, like, I like the Gossip Girl line, right? Like, that they, with Margot gone, they, like, came up with this whole history that, like, erased her role in helping them and made her their enemy again. I love that they mentioned Gossip Girl again because I'm just like, oh, of, of course, course Margot, of course Margot would love Gossip Girl because she's <laughs> such a Blair. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I mean, I feel like there's just so much in this episode. There's, like, a lot going on. Um, There's a lot of reveals, like, the whole thing with the Dark King. Um, I really love the relationship between Elliot and and Charlton. Gives me life. I know. He's, like, he's, like, his conscience. And, like, he's calling him out and, like, having these deep talks with him. And he's, like, they're just so different from one another. He also bickers with him. I love that. He bickers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was was so fun to get to write that because this is the first episode where he is that kind of like voice in his head, like bird on his shoulder kind of person who's like with him in every scene, commenting on everything, but without actually being in it. So it was like fun when we're shooting it, we had to shoot it. Like sometimes the way that we would approach when we were shooting Quentin with Niff and Alice, where it's like, you have to shoot it once with her present and once without her present. And we would do that with Elliot and Charlton because he's just in his head. Um, but then getting to have him interact and have everything in the scene going on around <laughs> them without any of them reacting to anything that Charlton was doing was just so great. And, and Spencer, the actor who, who plays Charlton is just fantastic. 
like Charlton's kind of like that self insert, mm. like original character, like because he just like <laughs> he kind of saying what most of the audience is probably thinking, like out loud. <laughs> so I always love characters like that. And it's nice because he really doesn't have to have much of a filter because Elliot's the only person who can hear it. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I would have like a Charlton walking around life. Do you really? Do you want someone like bickering with you in your brain? I would because then uh, you 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 would see other points of view and you would you know okay I I guess I I'll do this I guess I won't do this you know I don't know I think it would also be fun to look a little crazy talking to myself. (laughs) <laughs> well, and you're never alone, uh, whether that's good or bad. Oh, that's true. That's yeah, true. yeah. Um, I really um, like the scene with them in the woods where uh, Charlton says, like, I definitely deserve better than the Dark King. And Elliot's <laughs> like, both your parents loved you, huh? <laughs> yeah. Like, kind of, yeah. it, it was really nice to have him provide the perspective of, like, I have seen all of your memories, Elliot. Like, I know your patterns, and I can call you out on them, <laughs> even if you won't acknowledge that you're doing the things you're doing, yeah. you know? And so he kind of, I think, pushes Elliot to confront some stuff about himself and um, the fact that he is drawn to fucked up people because he thinks mm-hmm. that that's Yeah, it reminds me of that line that's in The Perks of Being a Wallflower, you accept the love you think you deserve. Yeah, mm. Definitely. So the only other thing I feel like we didn't really bring up is just like the whole Penny Julia situation. I mean, we've been calling it for a while, but his behavior was very childlike. Like he was throwing a tantrum. She wasn't great either. I feel like we have to acknowledge that, right? Like she was very callous about his feelings in those moments. Like he's talking about wanting to settle down. And like, I think she's right that like, you know, you save the world when the world needs saving. You don't just, like, turn your back on it. But she also just, like, did not leave any room for empathy with him. She didn't. I just thought that, like, some of his bit beneath him, like, how he's just like, I don't even want to be around you right now. I don't know. And I then, feel like, like I mean, that's he does a reasonable anyways, boundary. But... <laughs> but... <laughs> but yes, he did go I don't know. I just anyway. mean, like, there's, like, Quentin and Alex around each other constantly after they broke up in season one. That wasn't hey. always a good thing it's, for them. Yeah. It wasn't, yeah. they sucked it up and they went on their quest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that the, the dynamic with, with Julia and Penny, um, they're, I mean, ultimately they're both right. Like, you know, Julia's saying there's bigger stuff at play than our relationship. And like, you know, if, if I have information that could help us save an entire world, then I have to, like, I can't sit back yeah. and not do something about it. She's extremely driven to do the right thing and, like, you know, like, obviously we're all behind that. Um, but at the same time, like, Penny makes a odd point where it's like, how much is this one, like, group of people's responsibility? Like, these are such big things that, like, we can't keep taking them on. Um, deserve to live our lives, too. And, that, like, every time Julia is going off and throwing herself at a problem, that that puts him in a position of, like, you know, worrying about trauma of having lost the girl he loved before in in his other timeline. And um, so it's, you know, they both make valid points, but it's also very clear that they're not on the same page. Yeah, They haven't been on the same page, like, their entire relationship. (laughs) I feel like, I feel like uh, Henry kind of spilled the beans. I mean, he didn't officially spill the beans, but, like, when we talked to him for 501, he said something about how you're still in, like, sometimes you're still in a relationship and it's not a relationship that you shouldn't be in and you haven't questioned it because you're grieving. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, they're definitely breaking up this season. Everyone, we had some technical difficulties. I don't know how much of that's going to show up on the final cut, but sorry if we missed anything. We're going to go to fashion now. Yeah? Fashion? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Thumbs up, don't show up on recordings. Uh, (laughs) All right. Fashion time. So my first fashion note is about Alice, because literally just yesterday I was talking to somebody on Twitter about how how Alice is wearing more of the kind of outfits that she wore in seasons one and two, and they were saying that they hoped we'd see her poofy skirts again, and here in this very episode we got to see Alice in a poofy skirt. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I just thought that was great, and uh, I'm I'm really enjoying seeing her go back to that. I'm also kind of excited to see where her fashion goes when she sort of tires of wearing the things that she wore when she first met Quentin. Um, mm-hmm. Cause like she went down this kind of like darker, edgier path um, in season three and four, especially. And I don't know if that's where she's going to go again or if she'll go somewhere else entirely. And that'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. When I watched this, this episode a second time, I also paid really close attention to Fogg's tie. Um, cause I was kind of hoping that it wouldn't be the Eldritch knot. Cause I just thought that would be like such a cool and very magicians things to to do, like have it be the wrong tie knot um, to hint that he was the wrong fog. Um, mm. I I think it was the Eldritch knot. It was a little hard to tell because um, it was a little off kilter, like maybe not tied very precisely. So uh, mm. my theory is that Psycho Fog is uh, a little fast and loose with his tie knots. Fast and loose with a lot of things. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Like lives. Uh, <laughs> um, Danny, what about you? Did you catch anything interesting? I didn't pay attention to fashion that much in this episode. I noticed I your do... notes were all about Todd. It was just like Todd, 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 Todd. I'll Don't send them to out. you afterward, Al. <laughs> um. Let's see what my fashion notes. Well, I thought Todd was like, it was interesting. His like Elliot Todd was dressed really differently than like, like our Todd dresses. What do you mean? Just cause he had like a, was he wearing a dress shirt? Mm, he was, but it was like, it was just like the way that it was tucked in. Like it was different than like the way that like our Todd is. I don't know. Like I can't explain it, <laughs> but it is like, it's different. <laughs> you just noticed it, it's a thing. It had a certain je ne sais quoi that only you would know about because only you pay that much attention to Todd. That's true. The I think, way um, that it was tucked in, the way that it was, it was so specific. I love, I love that comment. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I also thought it was interesting the way that you guys dressed. Hamish, because I'm pretty sure he wears a kilt in the books. Does he? Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. It's like affectations where he's not Scottish, but he wears a kilt. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Super weird. I um, liked Wharton I, too. Yeah. Um, I also really like the way, like, I like the the Dark King's wardrobe. Like, I think it's mm-hmm. really cool. It's very Florian. Florian chic. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> speaking of, so one of the things that I haven't been paying as much attention to and now I feel like I should is how Felorian fashion has changed in the 300 years since Margot was High King um, and Sergio you're not you're like head banging nodding um, so yeah tell yes. us about that what should we pay attention to um, everything because <laughs> I'm going to be a little bit selfish right now and I <laughs> fucking love my wardrobe in the darking ages and 300 years in, in the future. It's just so the way it, I, uh, 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 I can't say enough good things about it. If I could take like um, a 3d tour of the wardrobe, that would be not doing it justice. Cause it has a little bit of, it's all very dark, which I'm very, uh, um, yeah. yeah, I love black. <laughs> Um, and then it has like leather accents and very mm-hmm. different textures and it's still very comfortable, but fitted at the same time. Um, it just reflects the whole mood of it and the way, the way that it sort of blends with the world that, um, uh, Philorian world that they've created mm-hmm. is, it's seamless. It's just beautiful. I Love the dark coloring. I mean, it makes sense, the whole Dark King thing. But, I mean, obviously, Sebastian is a uh, leather jacket gay. Um, (laughs) 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 I don't know. I think it it looks nice. Like, it's it's the Dark Ages, so they're all wearing darker garb. (laughs) Although, I guess the Philorians feel like it's not the Dark Age for them, so... (laughs) <laughs> right, but it, it's been the progression of all those years. I think it's led to that, so it's normal and natural for them. But yeah. um, 
personally for me it's it's uh, uh you'll see a lot of a lot of I, I had like a photo shoot in my trailer yeah it's very dark and like the stuff that you were wearing before was like more like vibrantly colored like yeah reds and blues reds right yes yeah good i'm glad other people have been paying closer attention to that than i have because it's involved. <laughs> i've i mean the main florian garb i've paid attention to is is really just like margot's centurion outfit because yeah yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> if i didn't know i liked women before that i'd I did after. So. I think it's impossible to get this far into the show and be like, huh, I like women. They're all just so attractive. It's true. It's true. But that is like an especially great look from, from my perspective. Um, I love her with a ponytail. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't know why. I just like it a lot. Like, it looks good on her. She's got some serious Ariana Grande hair this year. Like, <laughs> both when it's down and in the high pony. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Any other? I, 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 remember yeah. seeing a, I remember seeing a comment on Twitter, like, about this last episode that came out. They're like, how did she have time to, like, get a blowout while she's <laughs> fry? <laughs> How did she have time to see Endgame? These are the mysteries. <laughs> I mean, Magic. well, and they they took a whole bunch of like timey wimey shit from Jane Chatwin. I would not put it past Margot to use that to get a blowout. <laughs> I love it every single time they say permanence. Like I think it's so permanence <laughs> for men and women. <laughs> uh l any fashion notes from you fashion notes um not in i'm also a a fan of the centurion thing like it's just a lot of you know it's it's badass it's cool like it's a cool uniform i i really like seeing you know armed with the axes and out in the woods and you know that's fun All right. Well, then we will move to MVP time. And Danny, I'm going to make you go first, even though I'm like 90% sure I know who your MVP for this episode is. <laughs> <laughs> I I had to give it to to Adam. And the funny thing is, I don't think I've ever actually given it to Adam. Really? I don't think I have. <laughs> um, so it's happening. It's Adam DeMarco. Perfect. Love him. He's great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that song like he delivered it perfectly I don't think oh, anyone okay. else could have done it <laughs> oh wait 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 hang on a second do you mean this song <clears throat> something something fillery a most amazing land but fucked by catastrophe and way before we planned La la blah blah, fillery, a land without a god, needs a brand new hero, a strapping lad named Todd. Please stop. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I couldn't get through this podcast without playing that for you, especially after what I did to you at the beginning. (laughs) Yeah, it's a it's a great it's a great song. I'm glad you guys wrote it and that you gave it to him because it was perfect. Is it your is it your ring? Is it your oh. ringtone now, Danny? No. <laughs> I don't have a ringtone. I don't like ringtones. I used to love them when I was like a teenager, but like now it's just like they bother me. This might be the excuse to bring it back though. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It might be. Um I also love the fact that he like just like wrote them on a bunch of napkins. Yes. Uh-huh. Oh, oh man, those <sighs> were hilarious <laughs> because the, the version that's on the napkins has like a bunch of question marks where it's just stuff that he's not sure and wrote down and maybe missed it when the pigman was saying it so it's like very <laughs> like spotty what's actually on there we wrote different versions <laughs> oh i love it i want to see the napkin <laughs> <laughs> i'll tweet them i'll tweet them when it airs <laughs> um i also really like that when he gets off the couch he like trips <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. He's really good at physical comedy. 
I had a really hard time with MVP this week because I knew you were going to give it to Adam. So I was like, I need to pick somebody else for sure. Um, it's, I mean, one of the things I'm really loving about this season is that it it is such an ensemble season. Mm-hmm. Um, we're really getting to see everybody on screen in most episodes. Um, though we, of course, didn't see Katie in this episode or Zelda, but we saw them in the last one. Um, so I was... Really sort of stuck, but I think that I'm going to give it to Arjun because it was it was just so nice to see him get some real screen time this week. And the episode is called Acting Dean after all. And honestly, like, he got blown up last week and Todd got blown up this week and we didn't give it to him last week. So I feel like just in, in solidarity, <laughs> we'll give it to the two people who've been blown up this season. <laughs> it's funny. I didn't realize. So, like, um, when it was, like, on Twitter and, like, he was... Henry said that it was like splinching from like Harry mm-hmm. Potter, and I was yep. like, "Oh yeah, it is." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cool. Did a great job of playing the like completely in over his head, out of his depth, like Dean who has no idea what he's doing, <laughs> and, and like pissed about just it. realizing the sheer shitstorm of problems that Fog dealt with on a daily basis that you wouldn't even think of as yeah. being like part of. And I'd be like. Mm. No wonder he drinks. Yeah, he was a very, very high-functioning alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> um, Elle, do you want to shout anyone out? Um, I mean, I honestly would love to shout out um, Margo, our production designer, because um, mm. that fairy encampment that she just she and the whole art department created out it was just literally a random clearing in the woods, and then they brought in these tents and like hung all these lights and like. Just the entire thing when I walked into there, I was like, oh, my God, this literally feels like I am in a magical realm. And like, you know, in a different area of the woods, we were shooting the takers uh, coming out of the ground, which was also insane. Uh, Shout out to the construction department because they built a like they extended like from this rock. They built like a fake hillside Hmm. and it was like a platform with a tunnel under it. And the takers would crawl under this tunnel up through this fake mound of dirt. And it was just like the kind of thing that I, I put in the script and was like, the takers are going to come out of the ground. And I was like, they're going to tell me we can't do this. They have to come through like a green screen portal, just like walking through in the air so that we can just do it in VFX. And they were like, no, we can build this and <laughs> make it happen. So yeah, honestly, shout out to, to the um, art department and to the construction crew because that was like insane. <laughs> I mean, if they could build Christina a rubber book, <laughs> a rubber book yep. vagina last season, yep. I feel like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a blast, and and shout out to our our director Sterling Harjo because uh, he was just so much fun to work with, and like this episode was delightful in so many ways. <laughs> oh my god. Such a blast. Sergio, you want to shout anyone out? You want to give an MVP? Um, uh, I only had one, but that, now that Elle said something, it kind of like triggered something. I think the cost, the entire costume department, uh, amazing. Um, never misses a beat. And this season has been them. a lot. And yeah. so good. Um, um, and I think I was going to say, uh, I was thinking about it. I was going to say uh, Brittany. Because uh, I usually good. say summer, but I'm gonna say Brittany just because of the arc that she's had to deal with, and then, uh, you know, the the she just does it very well, and she's amazing. It, but to prove herself worthy of um, trust mm. by someone who cannot maybe trust her 100, percent that I thought it was great. She did a great job. Solid choices. Not the wallaby. No. <laughs> the wallaby can suck it. <laughs> Just kidding. She was actually delightful. It was her first time I acting. <laughs> I know. You can barely. She She's the natural. She was the natural. What was her she name? She was a cute little carriage. Uh, oh, my What's God. I forgot her name. I forgot her name. Oh, she was precious, though. And, like. There was literally on the call sheet, it said, like, please, like, remember to be quiet today. Wallaby on set, like, at the top of the call sheet. And I just thought that was, like, the best. I was, like, only on the magicians. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that note, I think it's time to move to final analysis. Danny, can make you go first again this time. You should go first, because I honestly 
feel like I need you. All right. Give you a chance to get your brain juices going. Uh, Well, I'm going to go ahead and say that I really enjoyed this episode. Uh, Honestly, I loved it. It was great. If I was going to say that anything didn't work for me, it would be that I was so shocked by Todd exploding that I kind of forgot to pay attention to everything else that happened the first time I watched it. (laughs) And I had to go back and, like, watch the fairy stuff again, which is, like, really important and plot relevant. Um, And I still got a little shocked and traumatized by... Todd dying again but honestly it was just oh god it was a really really fun episode um and I loved I loved everybody in it I really like uh oh god a line that we didn't even talk about was Margot coming out from the woods and um his name is Bic right what what is this Pickwick's name it's Bic I think right yeah it's Bic yeah uh, and Vic is like, what are you doing here? And she's like, I've been here all along. Women really are invisible to you. And he doesn't even question it because he knows. He knows. <laughs> he gives her this look like, you're right. <laughs> um, so I really loved that. Uh, and, yeah, the only other thing that didn't work for me was that Sergio didn't get enough screen time. Great <laughs> for regular well, 2020. Work he did with the screen time he had. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> you did a really great job. You were so funny. Thank you. <laughs> that, that moment, I just remember on set, um, our, our director Sterling just like dying over the way uh, you had delivered the um, when they're talking about like Margot's like, oh, well, you were fine because you had me, Elliot. And and Rick just goes, and Abigail. And just like yes. Sergio's delivery, you were all just dying every single time (laughs) well and when they both leave and he's just like you know they're each like naming what they're going off to do and then he's just like (laughs) yeah 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 i think literally it was like after rap one day and i'm just like in my hotel room in vancouver and i just get a text from sterling who's just like Abigail I just I just don't think the rave wants anybody to forget about her slowness no. Abigail yeah absolutely <laughs> oh I miss her mm-hmm. mm. uh, okay so now Danny I went first and now you do have to go <laughs> what'd you like <laughs> no no I'm just kidding um, I mean, it was great besides, you know, Todd blowing up, even though it was temporary. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was a really good episode. Like, I enjoyed it a lot. And, like, I just, like, there hasn't really been anything that just, like, doesn't work this season. Like, it's so seamless. It's honestly perfect. And also, I am sad that Sergio doesn't get more screen time either. <laughs> I'm gonna get it trending. Rafe for Rafe for regular 2020. <laughs> Did you guys speak to my mom or something? Huh? <laughs> um, y'all, anything y'all want to say before we bounce? Any message for the fans? I just want to say uh, thank you to L for writing this amazing episode. Yes, I think um, it was. It was so good, especially coming off of, uh, you know, the last two episodes that, like you guys said at the beginning, that they were so crazy and needed to be just right to be crazy enough, but also to make sense and, like, ease everybody into um, the pace of the show again. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I thought it was it was perfect. Perfect. Thanks. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, like, this episode is a fun jumping off point of like, we dealt with the harmonic convergence elements of the season. And that this kind of is launching us into a new direction that carries us through the back half of the season. Um, so there's much to look forward to. (laughs) Well, I just have to say on the, uh, on the theme of, uh, embarrassing l on this podcast (laughs) by talking about how great she is we've had you on three times now and i feel like every episode that we've had you on for we've liked more than the last so i think you're it's really fun to see i mean like because you started as an assistant on the show right as a writer's assistant i did Right. It's just really yeah. fun to see the progression. Well, assistant in season one. Yeah. And then season two writer's assistant. Yeah. 
Yeah. In evolution. <laughs> evolution. <laughs> yeah. You're killing it. <laughs> All right. to be on a show where, you know, everybody wants to help people grow. And, you know, it's the most collaborative and constructive environment in such a family. <laughs> well, so. On- yeah, I love them all. Mm-hmm. On that note, uh, on the uh, Earhearts, <laughs> that takes us. Yeah. Oh, this is a. Wait, hang on a second. I need to figure out how to. <laughs> how can I do this? And also, I can do it with my elbow. I think I did it. <laughs> I'm making the weirdest face, but I succeeded. <laughs> um, so, on that note, of all of talent. us doing air hearts um takes us to the end of our show el sergio it's been almost criminally fun having you both on here so uh yeah let's do it again sometime yeah definitely (laughs) i'm in thank you so much it's always so fun to get to talk to you guys about the show and everything in general (laughs) yes Um, thank you guys so much Listeners, thank you for joining us. I cannot believe that we are like at the midpoint of season five already. If you like what you hear here, head on over to iTunes and leave us your rating and review. Thanks a bunch. Bye. Bye. Mind slide. Something, something, fillery, a most amazing land. But fucked by catastrophe and way before we planned. La la blah blah, fillery, a land without a god. Needs a brand new hero, a strapping lad. God, please stop. Okay.